It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 79. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. Believe it or not, the Golden Gopher football team opens the regular season now in less than six weeks. That means the start of fall camp is just around the corner, as is the annual Big Ten Football Media Day, which is next week in Indianapolis. It's my pleasure to welcome back to our podcast, Scott Doctorman, who writes about the Big Ten and college football for The Athletic. We'll find out what he's looking forward to the most about next week's media days in Indy. We'll preview the Big Ten West chase. We'll tackle some general issues regarding the Big Ten. And because Scott is based in Iowa, we'll get a bit of an outsider perspective on gopher football, which is always worthwhile and healthy as well as interesting. Scott has his finger on the pulse of the Big Ten, and I know you'll enjoy our preseason football podcast. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. No one is better than Brian Slipka and his entire team at True North, servant leadership at its finest. We're honored to be able to talk about them and share the company's story. We're also honored to be affiliated with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union on the Go Gopher podcast. Affinity Plus is your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. Find out more at affinityplus.org slash go gophers. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, one of the very best supporters of the Gophers and your local credit union. I couldn't be happier to break the news as well. They've signed on as a major sponsor of our podcast for another season. It's been a great partnership. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. And stick around over the next few weeks. We have a couple of more exciting sponsorship announcements to make. We're podcasting episode 79 from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We invite you to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to do so. You can also go back and listen to the Go Gopher podcast from previous weeks. For example, last week we spoke with Gopher sports psychologist Dr. Carly Anderson on how how the mind is maybe the most valuable asset athletes have when it comes to hitting peak performance. Go back and have a listen. It's free to listen to any of our Go Gopher podcast. This week, it's episode 79, and we're talking Big Ten football with Scott Doctorman from The Athletic. Scott Doctorman joins me next. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utech, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. Hi, Gopher fans. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on lights. We switch TV channels. We switch on the TV. And with the new transfer portal, some college students even switch colleges, which can seem crazy to us diehard fans. But what's not crazy is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, my agency can switch you over so we can start saving today. My team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood and show you it is, in fact, easy to switch and save. When you want the real deal, check us out at champlininsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
It's episode number 79, the Go Gopher podcast, and it's our pleasure to welcome back to our podcast, Scott Doctorman, who is with The Athletic, covers college football, college basketball, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and the Big Ten Conference for The Athletic. And I say welcome back because, uh, Scott, this is your second appearance on our podcast. Uh, We're over Zoom today, but uh, you were in studio with us, I guess it was about a year ago this time, uh, because you have some Minneapolis connections. I don't know if your uh, son and daughter still are up here, but uh, you were in town and I said, hey, let's do a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. I, my uh, daughter graduated from MCAD, uh, you know, only a couple of months ago in, in May, and my son had graduated two years ago. So they were living together in sense of relocated relo- homes, so we don't have to pay for two uh, <laughs> two living spaces and just one. But uh, yeah, I very much enjoyed our time in Minneapolis. I mean, six years, because uh, my son's two years older. So uh, both of them went up there. So I, I could drive the Avenue of the Saints in my sleep and probably have a few times. Yeah, the old, uh, uh, I always joke that the uh, Floyd, Iowa truck stop uh, used to be a real kind of a, uh, uh, you know, a decent one. And then they put a fancier one next to it. I still feel sorry for the for the decent one. So I usually stop there. But uh, what a fitting stop if you're a Hawkeye or a gopher, Floyd, Iowa, of course, uh, for, for those two states that play for Floyd of Rosedale. Yeah, and, it, and it's pretty close to halfway too. So, you know, it's it's funny. I think there's been a handful of times that even as a driver, you know, I've tried to slow down and take a picture of it. And <laughs> all right, Floyd, you know, fight for Floyd. So, uh, yeah, what a perfect spot. And uh, you know, now that that area has actually been kind of torn up, so it's kind of a pain in the butt. But so you can slow down a little bit more easily, I suppose. Yeah, this time around. Yeah, I just drove it uh, last week. I was down in my hometown of Manchester, Iowa, the Delaware County Fair Week. I usually go back. And so it is. It's really torn up that particular area. And I wonder once it's done, uh, it'll be a faster fly through Floyd, I suppose, once the once the construction's done. But that that was uh, that that was interesting to see Uh, one whole side of that road is is um, is is gone. And they're they're, I'm assuming building new stuff there. But anyway, that's that's what it is in Iowa and Minnesota in the summer is construct road construction season because the the time is limited as to when you can work on the roads Um, (laughs) speaking of travel and the roads you and i will both be in indianapolis indiana next week big 10 football media days Uh, and we say media days now it used to be media day but with 14 teams and uh, more players it seems and more storylines that thing has expanded into a couple of days now they've eliminated the luncheon which it used to uh, happen in chicago Um, and uh, with the uh, pandemic things got switched to Indianapolis we thought it might be for one year but I I think the setting has been great at Lucas Oil Stadium and um, it it allows for a little more space than some of those uh, you know hotels in Chicago because they bounced around to some varying hotels that said I do miss some of the uh, intimacy of the old days Scott in terms of the the media days and I know our listeners probably don't care about what we get as media people but now it's a little more um, uh, sterile I guess because it's usually just a podium setting for all the players where it used to be you could sneak in and get some one-on-one time with athletes with interviews and kind of create your own individualized stories and that that's really been tougher now with with uh, the way the format is and I don't think I don't think they can do it any differently but it's just changed I think over the years from when when you and I first started going to cover those things. 
Yeah, old grizzled dudes like ourselves, you know, <laughs> we long for those days. And, uh, you know, I, I miss Chicago because it's, well, first of all, it's a couple hours closer, but it's, it, it always had, it had a kickoff vibe. It is kind of the capital of the Midwest. And, and uh, you could run into people out and about, whether it's, uh, you know, Rush Street or downtown. And now Indianapolis is a great city, as we know. We've been there a million times for Big Ten tournaments and now this, but it's, uh, it, it is a different environment and vibe in there and and the you know the uh old banquet you know would always uh the the luncheon you know kind of held the whole thing hostage because there were so many times when especially when after nebraska joined then rutgers and maryland that they'd have to split it and you'd have the luncheon in the middle and then sometimes you know oh my gosh the team i'm covering is going at four o'clock in the afternoon and you have to wait for that stupid luncheon to get over with but covid killed it new commissioner kind of killed it uh so and the coaches absolutely love this because they can get in and get out yeah and uh, so i've had a lot of conversations about them with that but uh you know either way it's you know it's good to have this time with these athletes and um you know i saw our podium time has been cut down a little bit with them with them on the side but but overall it's it's always a good kickoff to the season you kind of feel like okay football seasons is upon us yeah it, it, it's bittersweet for me because i football season is my favorite time of year uh it's a favorite thing to do uh and it this is the signal to the gateway to that we're now entering when the big 10 media day hits that means it's there so bittersweet in the sense that this is awesome football's around the corner not so great in the sense that the summer's now winding down and for guys like us this is although you and i were just talking before we came on the the downtime or the time of uh, leisure seems to get less every year as well because there's more demands with different varying things social media and everything else there's uh, a lot to do now that maybe we didn't have to do years ago and again it's not a complaint it's just that's the way it is now but uh, so for me it's a bittersweet time when when the big 10 football media day hits because uh, it it means it's it, it the good news is football's around the corner which i'm in favor of bad news is that summer is 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 uh, going through the hourglass pretty quick yeah i always look at it like a boomerang where in you know first week or so of june you just throw the boomerang out fourth of july is like the pole and then it flips around and it smacks you in the face at big ted media days so here we are uh but you know it, it is bittersweet as you said because we look forward to this all year we talk football all year long football has become it, it's always been the biggest and most important sport but now it's even more more so it's a 24 7 sport 365 whether you're dealing with nfl draft or you're dealing with the transfer portal recruiting everything you know spring football it's all football all the time so now that you get to that tangible point which is okay the season's here you know who you're uh, on the roster you know who's going to be available and then the the schedule's out there and the times are out there then now you can start really focusing in on that and i think everybody kind of likes that Let me talk for a quick moment about one of our great sponsors, Affinity Plus. It's your local credit union proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. As a current Gopher student or a proud Gopher alum, either way, you're eligible to join a financial that wants to build a meaningful banking relationship and put you first. Meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide. There's one right off campus, in fact, in Minneapolis. You can learn more or find other ways to connect. Here's the webpage, affinityplus.org slash gogophers. That's affinityplus.org. 
Affinity.org slash gophers. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA and a proud sponsor of Gopher Athletics. Generally, what are maybe a, a three or four storylines that you think will, uh, will, will be dominating the headlines next week when we're all in the state of Indiana? I think you got to start with with Northwestern now. Um, what a what a surprise! Um, tragic in so many different ways um, to see the the level of hazing that went on, and then to see Pat Fitzgerald, a, a person that I think a lot of us had high regard for as a coach, as a person, um, to be involved in that, and then have his job, uh, you know, to be fired. That was a real surprise because Pat Fitzgerald is the epitome of Northwestern athletics. I mean, he is the the first person you think of when you think of Northwestern, not only football, but, you know, be, to be so embedded in that culture. I think that is going to be the, the topic number one when it comes to uh, the teams. And the crazy part is I don't think it's fair that the athletes have to answer for this because you know, this is this is different than some of the other wild scenarios. I think back to the Sandusky stuff with Penn State players 10 years ago or a little over 10 years ago. But that they weren't really involved in that. This one, they are involved. It just happened uh, to their coach. And we don't know if maybe they were part of it or maybe they were victims of it. And I, and I also don't think I, I would hate to be the, the PR rep for Northwestern telling them, telling everybody, hey, we're just going to talk football here because that's disingenuous to the job that people are there to do. Uh, and nobody really wants to talk about Northwestern football anyway. I mean, they're one in 11 last year. Yeah. I hate to say it, but but then I don't expect them to be much better. So I think that is going to be the one that kind of dominates the first day in particular. I think when you start to look uh, more about the field, Wisconsin's the most interesting story to me because they had a, what I thought was a radical change for them. I didn't, that was a very, that was a shocking fire for Paul Christ. And maybe I'm just conditioned to it because I cover Iowa that I look at those two teams as like nothing big ever happens. Yeah, to them. Right. They're, all, they're always the same. So to, to make that change, to have Luke Fickle, to, to have, enter the portal and grab as many different types of players and to go through this t- different kind of offense. I think that's really something that's um, I'm really anxious to see what how that transpires, because it could either a take them from the level of being a good program to a very, very good program, um, or it could backfire completely. And then they they've kind of been somewhat mediocre the last few years to be to fall further down that that shoot. But, you know, they could also, uh, you know, just they're just going to be very interesting, I think, if nothing else. I look at the other side. This is the first time in probably two decades where Michigan is clearly the hunted team and Ohio State is clearly the team chasing after it. It's always been the other way around. So I know that is going to be a major talking point, along with uh, Penn State being the team that I think they might be a year away, but but they're still they've got a lot of talent and they could be very good. And then and then who's kind of the there's going to be a team. I don't know if a dark horse is the right term, but somebody's going to kind of come up and be a competitive team in the West. Is it going to be Iowa, which, you know, was a terrific defensive team, uh, you know, very pedestrian to be kind on offense. And, uh, but they've made a lot of changes there. Are they going to be that team? What's, you know, Nebraska's undergoing some major changes. 
but every year we say the same thing, you know, when are they going to be good? Are they going to be the good this year? You know, will Minnesota be able to replace, you know, Tanner Morgan's, you know, older than PJ, I think at this point, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but are you going to replace Tanner and, and how's Cali Manis going to gonna take that role? I thought he had showed some promise last year. And of course, Mo Ibrahim is as good of a running back as I've seen in a long time in the big 10 and, you know, and Purdue with the changes there in Illinois with, you know, can they, keep it up i mean there's six new quarterbacks in the west who are from the transfer portal that's really interesting to me so i, I think overall there's there's a lot of storylines but northwestern's probably going to dominate it at least early and then a new commissioner as well um right. so so uh some of those topics will be coming to through it uh coming to the forefront i would say on the first day yeah those are exactly the uh, the ones that i was looking at as well in terms of just what you know wh- where will the story because there's always storylines ahead of time you can always tell too uh when the the mass group is together and then the coaches speak who's writing features for what because the same mm-hmm. questions will come for each and and i always get a kick out of it because then i almost get a precursor to it then i'll go read um you know the the, the content to see um how, how the writer might have put something together based on the answers i heard or uh and they asked so i think uh i i enjoy just as a media guy the process of how particularly the writers how you guys go about you know crafting your uh stories each each uh media day um let, let's dive into the west of course because that, that here with the go gopher podcast the gophers in the west and and kind of take a deeper dive you gave us a nice thumbnail cliff notes version there of this league or this division final year first of all let's talk about that for a minute because it'll be uh, the divisions are gone at least for the short term we'll see if there's further expansion over the next decade and if that's the case you would have to believe that somehow a pod system or a divisional system would go into play i would think if you're getting more than 16 teams even at 16 i find it a little interesting that you're just going to take the top two when every team's going to play barely over half the 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 available opponents right because there's 16 teams can't play yourself so 15 you play nine, there's six teams every year you're not playing. Uh, it makes it interesting. But um, I, I think that's one of the storylines too, right? It's the last year of the West, and we've been hearing forever the East people complaining, particularly Penn State. Um, you know, that I mean, that, that was that they're, they're one of the big pushers for this, no divisions. They feel like they get the short end every year with Ohio State and Michigan, while good old Wisconsin and Iowa get to cruise, as they say, into the, into the uh, championship game because they play in a weaker West. I, I think there's some truth to that, Although the East is strong simply for the two schools, right? Michigan, Ohio State. If you flip those and put those in the West, we'd be talking about a similar situation. You'd have Rutgers and Maryland and some others who haven't been great over the years. Michigan State's been up and down. And, um, you know, they've been in the playoffs and they've been in the cellar in the last decade or so, eight or nine years. So anyway, uh, last year of the West, what's your general impression as to how would you handicap the race? I think it's pretty wide open right now. And I think it's because of all the changes that's been going on. And as you said, you know, with the East West divide, I think there's been some probably growing disparity over the last few years um, that we've seen and certainly uh, happens in Indianapolis at the championship game level. Um, And I think that a lot of that's because of Michigan becoming a better team, better program, the program it should be, frankly. Um, And that's where you're seeing really the disparity. But otherwise, it was like Ohio State never Everybody else, uh-huh. uh, you know, because the the crossover records are ninety to seventy eight, 
in regular season play, the, you know, the East leading, but you know, there's a, you know, like uh, let's see, Minnesota is 11 and 13 against East teams. Iowa's 15 and nine, you know, so th- there's been some real competitive ones. I would say Ohio state that 21 and two is, yeah. has been the king. Well, Ohio there, state, but, like since urban Meyer took over Ohio state's lost like in 11 years, six big 10 games or something. I think, yeah. you know, Ryan Day yeah. has two, two regular season losses and is he four or five years, but two losses, that's it. And uh, they're to the worst team you could lose to if yeah, you're right. an Ohio State fan, him. you know. <laughs> you know now now people are like, is he on the hot seat? You know, and that yeah. just shows you what what happens at places like that. Uh, I would say when you start with the West, I I would imagine that Wisconsin is probably going to be the favorite, and it's almost at a default at this point because you know what they they weren't very good last year Mm -hmm. i I saw them up close iowa won minnesota beat them um they illinois crushed them they they were not a real good team last year they were they had some good pieces they've lost some good pieces too so it's it's kind of funny to me i think that's just a natural uh wisconsin oh well they got luke fickle well there's some good coaches in the west when you start to look at who else has been national coaches of the year i mean ferentz has uh matt rule has been big 12 coach of the year uh pj has, has had his share of i think coach of the year in the big 10 2019 you know so there's been some you know belum has been up there so for him to walk in and people to kind of say oh, okay wisconsin is um automatically the the favorite i think is shallow should i, I say you know um I look at, you know, Tanner Mordecai, he was 33 and 10 at SMU, uh, really good quarterback, but it, this is a completely different league. There is, it's night and day and the difference between 110 and, you know, and then you're going to be playing in, in November in places like, you know, whether it's Madison or Minneapolis or Iowa city or, you know, Evanston or whatever, you're going to be playing in some really cold environments. And how is that spread offense going to handle it i just i'm skeptical i i think they can and i I admit but to some extent but they've also got a really good running back and braylon allen and at some point they're probably going to it's going to look you know and they're going to talk like it's a spread but they're going to run like it's old wisconsin yeah so i think that's going to be the the thing i mean losing her big and and keanu benton those are big losses they were really good players they do have ohio state and iowa at home they go to minneapolis i think that's going to be um those are going to be the three pivotal games for them so i'm not putting them as the favorite in the west i'm putting them as Let's just see how they are in mid-season, you know, when they, you know, probably mid to late October before I say, yeah, they're they're a team that's going to be in contention or they're a team that's, yeah, they got some work to do. Iowa is fascinating to me because, you know, they had one of the best defenses in the country last year, no question, and the worst offense statistically over the last 25 at least in the Big Ten and probably going back farther than that because they don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) So, but untypical of Iowa, if that's a word, they did hit the portal really hard. And that's unusual for Iowa. They traditionally just kind of keep things the way they are, boring, stale old Iowa. But they went and got a new quarterback in Kate McNamara, who beat them in the the 2021 championship game. they went and got two new receivers. One was the Big South receiver, uh, freshman of the year in, in Seth Anderson. The other one, Caleb Brown, was a four-star, went to Ohio State, saw the depth chart and said, eh, I want to play. So he's at, he's at Iowa. They got a couple new um, offensive linemen, a new t- 
tight end and Eric all who's, you know, considered an all American capable tight end. And uh, on defense, they lose Jack Campbell, who's irreplaceable in so many ways, but they got a pretty good replacement, Mick Jackson, who is a two time second team, all ACC linebacker from Virginia. And he, you know, was going to go to Oklahoma or Iowa and picked Iowa. So they've got, and along with the best special teams unit in the country, they've got a really good defense returning, really good special teams, and an offense that I think they could probably get more out of. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to be good. Uh, maybe they'll at best be average, but average is a lot better than what they were last yeah. year. So, and will so they I average? Can... Will they average 25 points, which is literally a million dollar question, right? <laughs> it sure is. Uh, it is to, to one person there, you know, yeah. and Brian Ferentz and. You know, and here's what's strange, uh, Mike. You know, in 2020, they averaged 32 points a game, and they were second in the Big Ten. You know, now last two years they haven't been anywhere near that, and that's been a problem. But I, I think they'll be okay there. They're they're big games to me. You know, at Penn State is going to be tough for them. At Wisconsin, that's going to be a, a major game. And then you know, playing Minnesota at home the week after playing Wisconsin, I think those are really big time. I mean, if they can get through that unscathed or um, be in contention, I mean, their final month is Northwestern at Wrigley, Rutgers at home, Illinois at home could be difficult and then going to Nebraska. And, uh, you know, but I, I think they've got a really good chance. I would probably put them as the favorite because last year, if they had any kind of an offense whatsoever, they would be. Yeah. And then, and then, you look at the other teams, you know, the school you cover, you know, in, in Minnesota, you know, Chris Ottman Bell, you know, seventh year now at the Gophers. Yeah, that's, crazy. that's crazy. But, uh, you know, you got him and Brevin Smith span forward. I think they're two of the better players at their position group. As I mentioned earlier, Callie McNannis, I think he could be a really good quarterback. I saw flashes of that. Can he take the next step in a division where there's a lot of new quarterbacks? Um, you know, can Sean Tyler from Western Michigan step in for for Mo Ibrahim? I mean, Minnesota's had some good running backs. You know, Bucky Irving a few years ago, yeah. and it's transferred out, and and uh, you know another one now at uh, Penn State. You know, but you know they've lost some. You know, John Michael Schmitz, one of the best centers in the country. Um, can you replace him? You know, there's lose quite a bit on the front seven on defense. But and then there's a, just a really tough schedule. I mean, when you're you're already playing Iowa and Wisconsin and will every day till through eternity, yep. you know, and then Michigan and Ohio State, that's going to be tough to win the West with those because you look at those games and you think, man, it's probably two losses. Yep. And, and then you got to be perfect everywhere else. And that's not easy either. Um, Nebraska. You know, starting over every year. I mean, Mike, every year since they joined the league, we've said, you know, what, when's Nebraska going to be good? Yeah. When are they going to be Nebraska again? And every year, you know, Scott Frost comes. Okay, you know, now they're back. Well, they're backing up is yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> no no so, question. Yeah. So they've got a lot of new players. Matt Rule is an accomplished coach, but I kind of want to see it before I start you know, take an investment in that Illinois, I thought, you know, had an outstanding defense last year. I mean, one of the best in the country lost a lot of pieces on that secondary to the NFL. Um, you know, they have a new quarterback, uh, they lost chase Brown, you know, some, some, but you know, they also have some really big pieces on defensive line that I think they're going to be, you know, their defensive tackle combination of Newton and, and, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on the other one. Uh, they're good. That's going to be the best, 
and probably in the Big Ten. Brett Bielema, we know what he's all about. I expect them from now on to be a competitive program. Yeah, tough out, not, right? You're, you're, yeah. yeah. You know what you're going to get. You know, you, you might beat them, but you're going to feel them. And and they're going to be a team that's probably going to win at least half their games every year. Uh, Purdue, you know, taking, uh, you know, pretty, you know, Ryan Walters, the pretty good defensive coordinator. I don't know what to expect because Jeff Brom had such a different, everybody else zigged that he zagged in the West and it worked for them. And uh, they, they lost a lot of pieces in the portal, which is what happens there. Hudson card coming from Texas. How will he fit in? Um, they've got a very tough stretch of games, you know, and, and you know, losing Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones. And uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. And, and there I'm probably not as, bullish on them as i maybe was last year and then finally northwestern i i think it's going to be tough for them to win more than a game yeah i just don't know that it, they can do very much they were very good last year and losing the players that they did and then of course the coaching situation it's going to be awfully difficult yeah the turmoil just it, 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 they they may take a step back it'll be interesting to see what they do with that coaching search i think that you know any big 10 job is going to be attractive um, you know, we'll see where with the facility now that they have, um, the right guy could probably come in there and and uh, and figure things out. But I, I I'm seeing a step back for them. Um, I, I I love the breakdown. I'm I'm in agreement with almost all of what you said. I think if I I'm not on the um, the preseason prognostication media poll, um, but if I were, I think I would have Iowa as the favorite. And then I think after that, um, it's that, that there's a whole mix of teams. And and um, part of it is the schedule. I think it's a mash of teams that can beat any each other. Like, like I don't think there'd be a, a big double-digit favorite amongst that top three or four group, you know. And I, I'll include Illinois in with Minnesota, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Iowa maybe is the top four. I'm I, I got I'm like you. I got a uh, you know I lived in Missouri for six years, so they're going to have to show me something Nebraska before I'm going to put them in. I'm a, I'm in total agreement with you on Wisconsin. Um, I just think it's premature to say, well, they have Luke Fickle, so it's going to work. Uh, there are a lot of good coaches who have had a lot of success, including even Fleck. Fleck, Fleck was mm-hmm. undefeated as, as a Power 5 coach. And, um, you know, it took him that first year and watching it up close and personal when you have a complete change of culture. Um, uh, that was the thing that struck me the most that first year with PJ um, where they struggled. They, the middle of that year was really hard. They didn't have a quarterback that was you know real efficient and that hurt as well. Wisconsin it looks like we'll have a quarterback that can play but I think when you're totally changing everything, I think that people are underestimating the impact that'll have. So I'm, I don't see them taking a step yet. doesn't mean in a year or two or three that Wisconsin won't be in the playoffs. I don't know but I don't think 2023 will be their year. We shall see. But to me the schedule is the biggest thing. When you got a mosh pit of teams that all can beat each other on a given day okay as you said uh minnesota they play ohio state and michigan um mm-hmm. iowa plays neither that to me is a two-game gap that somehow minnesota is going to have to um uh, you know make up if they want to win the west and the only way they can do that is to win in iowa city and they haven't done that since 1999 um that i can tell you this the gophers will be fired up to play in iowa city in october but that doesn't guarantee anything obviously so all of a sudden you got a two-game gap there minnesota could not take advantage last year of the soft schedule so it's not a complaint from a minnesota side oh gosh you got 
Michigan and Ohio State. Well, they didn't have them last year. They were in the driver's seat heading into the month of October after that blowout win at Michigan State and just couldn't take advantage. Purdue did, right? They did not play Ohio State or Michigan last year. Uh, and still needed to back in on the last weekend of the season because Iowa uh, couldn't hold serve at home against Nebraska. So Purdue somehow maybe is the fourth best team in the division, I think, if you really pulled football minds about it, got into the Big Ten championship game uh, based on schedule. This year, Iowa has that benefiting schedule, and we'll see if they can take it. Even Wisconsin outside of at home against Ohio State, which will be tough, it's fairly favorable. And then you look on the total flip side, Purdue has Ohio State and Michigan, Scott, and then you look they have Fresno State as a non-conference game. That That's a losable game for a first-year head yeah. coach um, at home. And then they've got at Virginia Tech, and I know the Hokies haven't been what they were with Beamer, but I'm telling you, you just go into that place as a Big Ten team. That's no picnic. And they have Syracuse at home. The Gophers saw Syracuse in the bowl game last year. Uh, they were okay. Um, and so you, you talk about two power fives in the non-conference and then one of the better group of yeah. fives who won 10, and Michigan, Ohio State, and they're, as you mentioned, at, was, uh, at Minnesota. Uh, I think they're at Iowa, right? So... Yeah, Purdue could find some tough sledding, I think, as the defending champ in this division. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they go, you know, three and nine this year. Yeah, right. You know, something like that. I mean, that is a really brutal schedule, and um, and I think that's something that can, you know, it, it, it affects you. I mean, Fresno State at home, as you said, that's that's traditionally one of the better group of five teams. They were pretty good last year, and you know, you know, you go from there to you know to Virginia Tech, and they're kind of in the same boat in some ways. And uh, they weren't; they've been down, but you know, Syracuse they lost that game last year, and 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 they were really close. I mean, you think about some of the bounces of the ball last year, and it really affected Minnesota probably more than anybody else. I mean, the the Purdue game, what was it, the ball that bounced off the receivers, yeah, you know, hands and, and that, that's them. the biggest thing about that game is they 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 chose. I shouldn't say they chose; they were forced to sit Ibrahim. He was in, yeah, he was dressed. He was in pregame warmups. He went through the drills, and they said, I, "We're going to hold him out." Um, he wasn't quite ready, and. Then they their offense they, their offense had been I think they punted like four times in five in the first five weeks or whatever it was and then for whatever reason they uh, that that started a string where they just they just had three or four weeks in a row where the offense went back to kind of versions of previous the previous couple of years um, so you're right I think the uh, the Gophers are gonna and they're they're that that's gonna be the lot biggest lost opportunity uh, well obviously now that the West is over after this year but that one. With no Michigan or Ohio State on the schedule, you were in the driver's seat, uh, stubbed your toe at home to Purdue in a game that that was there for the taking, and then had Iowa beat, basically. And then Ibrahim, who's fumbled like three times in 800-plus carries, Jack Campbell pokes it out at the goal line. I think at that point, Iowa was something like a 75% chance to win on whatever the probability chart is, basically wind the clock, kick the field goal, call it a day. And Iowa, as Iowa's defense has done now for numerous years, ends it uh with uh with a couple of uh, you know they force the turnover Campbell forces a fumble Campbell gets the interception um and even in that case he it looks like he maybe didn't step out of bounds Minnesota's probably better off if, if he scores that because you have more yeah. time Iowa then melts the clock has the game winning field goal so anyway uh, Minnesota had some bad bounces you mentioned Altman Bell missed the whole year but everyone has to deal with stuff and uh, I think the Gophers will be kicking themselves for a long time that they they uh they had a chance and and couldn't capitalize yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, conversely, it, 
for the most part worked out for Iowa, which was kind of like a, you know, one-armed guy in a, you know, heavyweight boxing match most of years and most of the year. But, but, you know, uh, you talk about a bounce of the ball that didn't go for him was Illinois. They lose nine to six um, in a game that nobody except, you know, football crazy people like me who like caveman football yeah. can appreciate, but Riley Moss picks up a fumble runs at 82 yards for, for seemingly the game winning touchdown. And, uh, you know, on replay, it had to be replayed like a million times for five minutes. And well, it looked like the running back's knee was always oh, just down. Yeah, you know? I, I thought that was a tough one to overturn. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then, then it becomes, you know, that, I mean, and uh, so, you know, the West, I think the West will be comparable to that. You know, I think Iowa is you know, for lack of a better term, Iowa, you know what you're going to get. They're going to be pretty good. They're going to be better on offense. You know what you got to do to beat them. And I know it's got to be killing PJ because they've been close. It's yeah. been close several years now. It's not just been a, a fluke. You know, last year they had Iowa beat, no question. Um, you know, a couple of years ago where the games were, you know, it was what, 27-22, and they had a chance on a Hail Mary at the end of the game. And then in 19 when Minnesota was undefeated. And uh, and so there was there was a lot there that, that where Minnesota was just on the cusp, and one of these years they're going to break for, break through. But they haven't won it in Iowa City since '99, and that's kind of the marquee game in Iowa City this year. So, um, as you mentioned, schedule plays a huge role, and they do play at Penn State, so that's not going to be easy for Iowa. That's yeah. you know one of the big three, but but I think Michigan and Ohio State appear to be the top two teams in the league. Yeah, and that that's for Iowa, right? The top the toughest two, I guess, on paper is at Penn State at Wisconsin are they at Wisconsin this year I think yeah yeah uh, they're at Wisconsin so um, on paper and then again for Minnesota to have any shot they've got to win in Iowa City because they're already kind of in a gap there schedule wise and um, and that that's where it lays and I you know oftentimes um, there's kind of a trendy pick right um, mm-hmm. in the West it's always Wisconsin or Iowa and then who's the trendy pick Minnesota's been that for a while Purdue was that last year based on schedule mm-hmm. I was I remember being in Indianapolis saying look do not sleep on Purdue. They've got you know the best quarterback returning, and they mm-hmm. have a schedule that's favorable. As it turned out, I don't think they were frankly as good as I thought they'd be. But mm-hmm. in this jumbled up that that West race was something. Minnesota was the, the the leader in the clubhouse heading into September. They were looking great. Uh, they stubbed their toe, and then Illinois takes over. Right now, it's like mm-hmm. holy cow, Bielema, this guy can do it. And then they lose at home to Michigan State, and just a, how does that happen? And all of a sudden, uh, they probably had Michigan close to beat. I mean, there were some weird funky stuff happening late in that game and lose that and all of a sudden then i was in the driver's seat and you're like oh well all they have to do is beat this nebraska team with an interim coach who's no good at home and they don't and all of a sudden Purdue's jeff brahma's like how the hell did i end up in indianapolis but here i am you know (laughs) yeah Uh, so that was a crazy race i I don't know if there's a trendy pick although um you know if illinois wins it i wouldn't be knocked off my bar stool i mean i you know as you mentioned they've got newton and others and um bielam is you know gonna make it hard for people to to win he knows you know look i think he's proven he knows what he's doing so it should be a fun race yeah i I agree i think i think there are probably three teams that if they win you're not really surprised that's iowa wisconsin and illinois and in obvious and an easiness of the schedule based on winning percentage iowa's one wisconsin's two and illinois three so that makes sense and uh you know now minnesota what would surprise me is basically because michigan and ohio state yeah they would probably either they'd have to split 
with those two and then have one loss that, that won't affect them or they uh, they'll have to you know win everything go seven and two and that's really difficult to do and and so that would surprise me ne- Nebraska would simply because we they just don't haven't proven anything yeah. yet you yeah, know and and then you know Purdue I thought they just lost too much they're starting over that's you know with Jeff Brom if he was there yeah I would give him a puncher's chance and then Northwestern would be I, I just I wouldn't even predict yeah. it. I would give them zero percent chance of winning the West. Yeah, that would be that would be the all time uh, division uh, upset of of all time in the in the short yeah. time that the Big Tens had divisions. All right, a couple of quick things, Scott. I've already kept you over what I said I would, but you, you always offer compelling content. You we we joked at the start of this podcast about uh, uh, the summers getting away from us, and there's not as much leisure time as we would like. Uh, some of that for you is self induced because you cho- chose to take on the three part series, which if people haven't started to uh, uh, to read it on The Athletic, they should. And if they haven't subscribed, they should do that as well. Tell us about this uh, look at Big Ten history and kind of how it ties with TV and money and all of that stuff. Yeah, we have a, uh, a multi-part series at The Athletic on realignment and how it's impacted college sports. And I talked to Jim Delaney for, gosh, you know, two and a half, three hours off and on, you know, just to kind of go through what realignment was like when he was commissioner. And he said he would he's willing to open it all up, basically, from when he became commissioner through his retirement and the, the reasonings and the factors. And, uh, you know, and one story that's coming out on Monday is uh, about uh, Penn State and how contentious that was. That was really surprising. He was very candid about it. And then I looked more and more into it. And um, it was a seven to three outcome and it needed seven votes. And it flipped late on Northwestern because Northwestern was concerned that they would admit Penn State and boot Northwestern because Northwestern at that point was, as we remember in the 80s, was was really a bad program, yeah. you know. And so he was w- really strong with that. He talked about the factors of why realignment and expansion have existed. And he pointed it all the way back to two main reasons. One was the Big East not picking up Penn State. And so that enabled the Big Ten to do it. And then everybody else from there kind of said, well, we need to start making changes. And Florida State, Miami uh, entered leagues and, and what have you. And then he said the other, and this is probably the biggest reason of all, was the Supreme Court decision in 1984 that took away NCAA control of television and allowed conferences and individual schools to be part of that. And uh, and so then ratings became more important and and how, you know, how much each network is going to pay each school and or each conference and then who's in your conference matters and and their uh viewership and and so that's what really you know sent it spiraling i guess and to that in the 1990s and and he was very candid about notre dame and what you know the the thoughts were there that they were they very much wanted notre dame and even after they publicly turned them down they still had conversations and then the, the realignment or the expansion of with it brought Nebraska and the factors there. And then Maryland and Rutgers, which I, I will have a story about Rutgers later on. I think that's, uh, um, you know, really fascinating with Rutgers in particular because they've received a lot of scrutiny 
for that move and, and probably rightly so. I mean, and, and I know there's some people at Rutgers who were saying, well, now that we're going to eliminate divisions, we'll have a better chance. Well, their losing percentage against Western teams is worse than Eastern teams. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's one thing that if you get people in the, who are follow the West division bristle, it's like, okay, you've got Ohio state and Michigan and Penn state, but Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana, they're not exactly no question. You know, lighting the world on fire. And they're, in some cases, those are three easy wins for teams. Um, you know, Michigan State kind of bouncing back and forth. So, you know, getting back to the realignment, I, you know, Delaney was was honest. You know, he talked about why they went after Maryland and Rutgers. And, and really, he said, we were happy at 12. Then the ACC went after and got Pittsburgh and Syracuse and went and got you know Notre Dame for all sports but football but then added Notre Dame for football and uh, everybody was in multiple regions we were in, in Louisville one. they got Louisville too the ACC yeah yeah, yeah after Maryland that uh, got swiped so you know they were you know and then they they sought out uh, Penn State after the Sandusky situation. So they felt like they needed to be in a different area. And he's like, look, we added 3% to geography and 18% to our population by simply going to the, the most lucrative uh, corridor in the world from you know Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia through Southern Connecticut. And so it was a money move, no question. And I think competitively, we all you know, go, man, you know, when, when you see Minnesota can't play the jug every year, but because yeah. you got to play Maryland every year, yeah. that's right. what affects people. No, no doubt. And uh, so I, I called it a three part series. I've seen three parts. So it sounds like it's more than three parts. So maybe I shortchanged you there. How, how many parts is it? Well, the, the, the our entire series of the athletic is about 25 stories. Wow. Great. Yeah. Mine, mine with Delaney was that we went with three. Um, and then I wrote a story about rivalries and some of those that have been off and on. And then, uh, we've got two more coming, um, Penn state and Rutgers. So they'll be on the, I think the next two Mondays. Last one for you uh, in relation to what you just said, further expansion now, USC, UCLA will start next year, which uh, I can't wait for basketball in February to go out to uh, California. That's, to me, the biggest highlight of it all. Gophers do play in the Rose Bowl against UCLA in 2024, and of course, people can make all the jokes they want. That's the only way the Gophers can get in there. Uh, and and now, actually, with the, with the divisions going away, and this year, uh, unless you're in the playoffs, you're not going to play in the Rose Bowl out of the Big Ten. I'm like, that is the Gophers luck they'd finally run the table they'd uh, end up uh, somehow into the uh, into the Rose Bowl on most years but um, we'll end up playing in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta Mercedes-Benz Stadium or something that would be uh, the way the Gophers sports luck goes over the years that would be uh, somewhat anyway um, UCLA USC gets added uh, in 24 uh, by 2030 and I know I saw Nicole Auerbeck your colleague has done a little bit of a predictive uh, story as well what is uh, Scott Docterman's prediction in 2030. Uh, what is the member list and who do you think will be added? Let's say that's what, seven years from now. Wow, that's really fascinating because I couldn't tell you what's going to happen the next month based on this <laughs> Pac-12, uh, yeah, yeah. Big 12 situation. Anything can happen. Um, I, I think for five years, uh, we'll start there. I think you'll see status quo with the Big 10. I don't see any kind of movement. I know last year, the commissioner, Kevin Warren, was interested in adding more of the Pac-12 teams. And I know the presidents were adamantly against it 
you know, oh I think almost unanimously, uh, because they they see the same factors we all do. You know, travel. I mean, it's one thing to go play a football game in Eugene, Oregon once. Uh, it's another thing to go out there and play volleyball and soccer and, and everything else. So uh, I would still think that seven years, man, I, I think there's going to be a battle. I think there's going to yeah. be a, it'll be the time when the SEC and the Big Ten battle legitimately over a school. And I think it'll be over North Carolina. That's the because, jewel on the east, right? Yeah. Yeah. Growing area, fan base, uh, you know, passionate fan base. I think I could see the Big Ten wanting Virginia and North Carolina. I could see the, the, you know, the SEC wanting the same thing because that's new territory for them. They're they're headquartered in Charlotte, the SEC network. So I, I think that would be the one because, but it, you know, the Western teams, I think it's really interesting. Like I know talking to a few people kind of off record last year, uh, cause there was a lot of speculation about Cal and Stanford and people wanting to be involved in them and with their high academic profile, but they're like, we interact with them already in the AAU. Mm-hmm. We don't need to have a conference umbrella just to interact with them. And I thought that was really fascinating. So, uh, overall, I would think that, uh, I think 16 until we get to 2030 mm-hmm. and then at 2030, all bets are off. It yeah. go different. But Jim Delaney had a really interesting discussion. I gave it to, uh, to Nicole. The quote was, at what point do you go from being a conference to an association of schools and then you have market power and then you start having the Department of Justice and everybody looking into you. Yeah. And 18, he thinks, might be too many for that. So no kidding. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be – they're catnip, though. They Getting are. Getting North Carolina, it's like, eh. Yeah, North right. Carolina for the East. And then, I, you know, um, dark horses uh, – and, again, that academic fit or not population fit. Georgia Tech, academically, and they're the gateway to the South in Atlanta. Is the Big Ten – I mean, with the, if I'm the Big Ten, i got to take a hard look there to try to get TV uh, money out of that huge population <laughs> – base uh, Miami gets you into Florida although there's not statewide yeah. interest there uh, to me Notre Dame is the mm. that that will be that's the domino I think for the Big Ten that has to fall at some point before they do other stuff and maybe that's mm-hmm. never going to happen uh, the way the new rules are written with college football playoffs I if I'm Notre Dame I'm tempted to join a conference one for money we'll see what their TV deal is but two um, I'll never get a buy and if my mm-hmm. sole purpose is existing not just as a football program but an athletic department, their sole purpose is to win a national football title, it is harder if you have to play an extra game. Even if it's on your home campus, uh, those mm-hmm. are hard games. You're playing a top-12 team most likely. Um, to get a bye is a big advantage, and as the rules are written currently, they'll never get a bye, right? They'll always have to play that first-round game, sometimes on the road. Uh, so if my sole purpose is to win a national football title, to me that is – I think that's an underrated – maybe I'm the only guy that, that thinks that and that and I'm, and the reason others haven't talked about it is because maybe it's not as important as I think. But to me, if I'm the AD, I'm like, damn, I'm never going to get to host a uh, – or never going to get a bye. I might get to host, yeah. but I don't get a bye. That, that's a big deal. Like you win the Big Ten, you don't have to play that first-round game. Right. I, I could see that being a, a factor when it happens for sure. 
you know, one thing I know Notre Dame and even some of the other schools like about that is they can take this to their season ticket holders and say, you have the opportunity to have one more game sure. in what could be one of the biggest games in school, you know, in school history yep. on your campus. I mean, I always say if Iowa's was playing in the playoff and they're hosting it at Kinnick Stadium, it's the biggest game in Kinnick Stadium history. No question. That's true. And I think that's pretty much on par for most of the schools. And so uh, I I think once the playoff gets going and the top four teams, you know, in Ohio State and Alabama, whatever, start seeing, man, they could have extra games on their campus and we don't. I think that's when the bowl part of it gets eliminated for the first round, because I can't imagine what it's going to be like for people who have to pay to travel to three straight three destinations, yeah. Yeah. you know, Cotton Bowl, Phoenix and L.A. That's a lot of money for fans and, and especially students. I mean, how are they going to get that? That kind of money no doubt so i think that's going to be something that'll be factored in eventually uh notre dame it, it's going to come down to what they get from nbc no you doubt. know if they get a if they get a good contract they've got enough people donors that say we will stay with you if you are independent and bolt if if you aren't that they feel like they can compensate if even if the Big Ten is making sixty five yeah. million dollars a year and they're at fifty, they're okay. But the, if they're at thirty, they're not. The, so the guy trying know. to negotiate that deal for NBC on that side of it is now the new Notre Dame athletic director, by the way. I know, which is pretty interesting, right? He's yeah, he's a he's a Notre Dame grad and um and and was the head of NBC Sports or at least the part that's negotiating. So he's got pretty intimate knowledge on both sides. It'll be pretty interesting to see where that negotiation goes i also think lastly here scott i've said lastly about 10 minutes here but um ucla and usc so if they don't go west if they leave stanford oregon washington whoever else might be a candidate uh, out the big 10 can usc and ucla survive staying in the big 10 their closest road game will be lincoln nebraska for an extended period of time for all sports and conference i just find that hard to believe that 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 those two schools would just say yeah we're gonna i mean i've we've done that uh, you know the gophers have played oregon state they've played usc that sucks that's a terrible trip for football and it's once i can't imagine if you're like you say basketball if you're the you mm-hmm. see if you're if you're um uh the, the head coach for the basketball program at either school and your closest road game is lincoln nebraska everything that those trips are going to suck for that for those guys they're going to have to get you know really inventive in how they tra- they structure some of these trips. And I've heard some of the the discussions and where they're probably going, which which make perfect sense. Like if the Gophers head west, then maybe it will be uh, you know a combination of uh, the men and women going and playing USC. Uh, maybe it's a doubleheader. Maybe it's separate sites or something on a Thursday, and then UCLA on a Saturday. Something to that effect. So you're you're kind of bunching everybody, and you're saving on costs, and you're you're one, you know. And then for them, conversely, flying to Detroit and playing Michigan and Michigan State, or Indianapolis and playing Purdue and Indiana. Uh, that's probably what they're going to have to do. I just I think it's going to be you know football is survivable yeah not great but survivable they're gonna have to make use of a zero week in my opinion uh so maybe you can get that Rutgers ucla game out on week one for either school but um the fact that the everybody else only has to travel to california once a year and they're gonna have to travel four or five times to the central or eastern time zone is is challenging for them um in the other sports 
I, I think basketball at this point, go ahead and cut your, your games down from 20 to 18 or hell, even 16. I hate to say it, but because you're really asking for them to do a lot with a 20 game schedule. And, yeah. you know, it's already tough enough with 20 it for teams here. And uh, so that way they can play more of their non-conference games against Fresno state or Cal or, you know, UNLV or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It, I, man, I, the worst, the guy who got it the worst in all of this is uh, the baseball coach for both schools and softball. Although I don't think you see USC has softball. Can you imagine your schedule? You're one of the best programs in the history of college baseball. USC. They've won college world series before your schedule is included driving across town to play UCLA, uh, I don't know, probably bussing up to San Francisco to play Stanford and Cal, uh, flying to Tucson, flying to Arizona State, uh, warm weather. Now you're going to Minneapolis on April 28th to maybe play. I mean, maybe. Yeah. You, you might get two of the three games wiped out for sleet or snow. Uh, then you're going to fly to Rutgers 5,000 miles or whatever. The you know I don't know how far. What's the East Coast to West Coast? 4,000, 5,000 miles, whatever it is. Um, uh, 3,000 miles. You fly that. Um, and now you're sitting in New Jersey, uh, hoping on May 6th that the weather's okay to play. God, that guy's mm-hmm. got to be looking for for a different place to coach baseball, doesn't he? No, I think you're right. I and, mean, you know, some of the things that I've heard about are like, you know, or you know, a lot of times everybody takes those those uh, spring break trips and stuff down south. Well, they might be taking spring break trips out to L.A. You know, play tournaments. That, yeah. yeah, play. You know have six teams out there playing all week, you know, and playing five games each or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one in a couple other areas that they should take advantage of, they should have all along like Milwaukee. Um, you know, there's no Wisconsin baseball team uh, before the Brewers get there, you know, in, in April or late March, you know, why not have more teams play in that stadium, sure. state Good call. or whatever, you know, or American family, I guess it is now, um, you know, playing there just it, to me, I, I think that would be better. And that'd be better for them too. So if they were to say travel and spend all week in Milwaukee and play three or four games there, as opposed to trying to go to Iowa city or Minneapolis or, you know, champagne even, and, right. you know, get to these places. And so I, I think this is, it, it other than football, this is a football decision. It's going to be tough. And, you know, maybe that's the next step, Mike. Maybe that's what we don't know is that when everybody takes a step back and they see how crazy it is for UCLA and USC soccer to fly across the country or track, or and then they're playing baseball and softball in 35-degree weather when in, in L.A. it's well twice that, yeah. that, that maybe the next realignment is we just do this for football. And, and everything else kind of fits in its own category. I don't think anybody would complain if USC and UCLA, okay, we'll play four games against Big Ten teams and we'll play the rest out here. I think that that might be the next step, you know, some sort of organization that way. For sure. All right, very good, Scott. I've kept you way too long, but uh, you always offer great stuff. How can people uh, read your stuff? Let us know. 
Yeah, go to The Athletic go and uh, click on one of my stories now. Granted, if you're talking Gophers fans, they're not going to click on a Hawkeye story, but maybe Alec Lewis with the with our uh, Vikings coverage. But no, go to The Athletic and, and subscribe. I think we're $2 a month now. We, we cover college football, you know, in the big picture better than everybody. And uh, I hope to touch on some Gophers while I'm in Indianapolis myself. Yeah, very good. Sounds good. Really cool series, too, with the, with the uh, conference expansion and uh, your access to Jim Delaney. So people should read that as well. And obviously here locally, as you mentioned, Alec Lewis, as well as Michael Russo, John Krasinski mm. with Wolves and Wild and um, and others as well. So we appreciate it, Scott. As always, we'll see you next week in Indianapolis. All right. Thanks, Mike, for having me on. Yep. Thank you. It's Scott yeah. Doctorman from The Athletic, episode number 79. I hope you enjoyed all the terrific Big Ten and Golden Gopher insight from The Athletic, Scott Doctorman. If you don't read his stuff on a regular basis, you should start. He's plugged into the Big Ten and is always producing compelling content. My thanks to Scott for spending time with us here on the Go Gopher podcast, episode number 79. We're presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a locally member-owned full-service financial invested in you. You can learn more at affinityplus.org slash gogophers, affinityplus.org slash gogophers. We're also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and right now, please be sure to click the subscribe button to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to subscribe and free to listen at any time. And please share the link to the podcast with others so they can subscribe and listen as well. We'll talk again next week.